Whether your ideal summer destination is the white sand beaches of Cocoa or the west red dust storms of Morocco, toss on some flip-flops and settle in for Morocco Public Radio episode 39 and day four of Shark Girl Week 2023, our week-long celebration of the X-Men and summer break beach vibes. Uh, today, we are talking about all the X-Men comics from the week of May 24th, 2023, as we continue the trudge to the fall of X. I'm not Nerdy Papa Bear, and this is the guy who knows the real war college is predatory student loans, my one and only co-mega mutant, Keegan. <laughs> How are you, buddy? Ah, I'm doing good. Uh, just enjoying our week-long celebration of all things Krakoa. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, I know this is the summer celebration, and uh, depending where you live, a very common part of summer, thunderstorms. So if you hear some clippity claps, that's what that is. Um, right, my window just shook pretty good right oh, before wow. we logged on. So Woo. we'll see what happens. But I'm just that dedicated to this week that I'm risking everything. The <laughs> whole house could go up in smoke for all I know. <laughs> In this episode, we are talking New Mutants Lethal Legion number three, Bishop War College number four, The Excellent number three, and Storm number one. But first, we are going to draft our mutant vacation crew. I gave you absolutely no warning about this. No, none at all. All right. Here's my idea. Imagine a scenario. You get a VW bus, and you get to take five mutants that you want with you to the beach okay okay we'll do it snake style and uh that'll be our like poll question for the episode they'll all get to decide which of us has the more fun vacation crew okay to my mind there is exactly two options that can go in the first round so mm. i will let you go first if you like <laughs> you're gonna let me go first Okay. My first choice. It's a mutant. Uh, when you're on vacation, you want to have, you know, tasty cold treats. <laughs> I, so, I figured I'd get her as a sleeper. You better not be going there. Round one. Round one, soft serve, baby. Let's go. <laughs> you, you are a sick, sick man. I was definitely going to take her. I wasn't planning on taking her in the first couple oh, rounds. but I, I, I wasn't going to give you a chance. Wasn't even going to give you a chance. <laughs> all right. All right. I guess I should be writing these down. Give me one second. <laughs> Bastard. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I guess since we're going snake style, I'll take both of the two that I thought would go the first round. Uh, I'm going to take Sunspot, Bobby Tagasta, because you need someone to fund that trip. And he's just a fun mm -hmm. dude, but mostly fun to that trip. Uh, and then Nightcrawler. The two oh. most fun people to ever, like, step foot on Krakoa. That's, you know, that's, that's a good one. I like that. Um, hmm. I'm still so mad, though. <laughs> Can't believe you did that to me. You know, uh, just, I had to do it. Now, let's see. I think that next, because I, now I get to pick two. Yeah, you get two in a row. My second pick, uh, who better to set the vibe than the bartender of the Green Lagoon, Blob? Good call. Good call. Good call. They, eh. they, <laughs> your vacation is going to be well, well fed no matter what. Uh, yeah. I got, I got drinks and desserts on deck. 
Uh, and then next, I mean, I feel like I gotta, I'm gonna go with uh, Logan himself with his uh, death adamantium <laughs> surfboard. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm also going Wolverine, but I'm gonna take my girl. Or of course. Candy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, this is my... Second to last pick. I got one one final pick at the very end, so I gotta be careful here. I gotta make sure I round out the group. So, so I got my two fun guys. We got Laura who can drink me under the table. You know what? I'm gonna take one more fun guy, uh, and, and I'm gonna bend bend reality a little here, and I'm gonna take pre douchebag beast. Before Ooh. he became a douche knuckle. Yeah, okay, okay. I can accept that. I do not know if it showed up on camera. My lights just flickered, so who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> it did not show up on camera for me, so that'll be interesting. Your final two picks. Round My final party two. crew. Well, so I've got drinks taken care of. I've gotten... Desserts taken care of. Let's take care of accommodations. Let's bring Forge and have a treehouse for free on the beach. Oh, I and, and, you know, he's also my favorite. And, uh, you know what? I'm going to take a pick. You're going to hate this pick. I love this pick. I'm going to take little guy himself, Gambit. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn that little guy. He's just a little guy, but I think we could get up to some fun shenanigans such as a handcuffing waitresses to time bombs. Yeah, you'll see. Your party will end up in jail, and that's that's okay. That's that's a do. good vacation. <laughs> a lot of great parties end up there. So my pick's going to be a very similar strategy to your Forge pick. Uh, probably the X-Men with the most party-throwing experience at this point. Give me Emma. Give me Emma Frost. Oh, ooh. Wow, you know what? Round the, value, that of us. <laughs> the value of Emma at five. Ah, I, I can I can think of at least one listener who's gonna be very upset that Mrs. Irrelevant went to Emma Frost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know All what? Right. That's okay. Maybe Emma can end up being the Brock Purdy Yeah. Krakoa. Uh I don't watch football that much anymore, but I grew up a 49ers kid. There's my local team. I do love the Brock Purdy story. Was... Yeah. All right. So to round out or to, to recap, Keegan's team is Soft Serve Blob, Logan, Forge, and Gambit. That's a good, that's a good vacation. That is, that is a fun party bus. <laughs> However, on the, the other lane of the freeway, they're going to look over and wish they were in my party bus, which consists of Bobby DaCosta, Kurt Wagner, Beast before he was a total D-bag, Laura Kinney, and the White Queen herself, Emma Frost. I, I'm jealous of that Bobby DaCosta grab. I should have thought of that. I genuinely thought he's going to take either Nightcrawler or Sunspot, and I'll just take whoever the other one is. That was my strategy walking in. I, <laughs> In fact, I was able to nab both just because you had to swoop my soft serve. Who I do wish, out of everyone you got, she's the one I'm most upset I don't have. But it was worth it. I, I'm yeah. willing to make that sacrifice. And, and for me, it was worth it, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. You had to successfully screw me over. So. <laughs> All right. You want to talk first? I will preamble and say this is genuinely the worst four book week I can think of. I've never had this many X Men books and still walk away saying like, man, nothing, nothing really came out this week, did it? Yeah. I'm spoiler alert. I felt almost nothing about this week of books. Uh, I think I will be much more positive than you on one of them, and I will still have my reservations about it, but. I'll leave it there. (laughs) That's very fair. Uh, Yeah, let's just, you know, let's jump into it. Let's go New Mutants first. All right. New Mutants, Lethal Legion number three, written by Charlie Jane Anders, drawn by Anid Balam. Opens with Karma, Mirage, and Galura arriving at Count Nefaria's mansion because they use Cerebro like a soccer mom tracking little Susie's iPhone. Where is the trust on this team? Anyway, as they knock on the door, Gabby is thrown out the window and demands her claws back. If you don't remember, Escapade drunkenly stole them at the end of last issue. Escapade and Cerebella find a thing in the mansion that spooks them, and they wish it was just jewels or something to steal. Uh, Galora saves Gabby by flying her into a creepy upstairs window, and then the static Gabby realizes her claws are back. Danny tries talking Count Nefaria into not fighting, but she gets a call from Old Spain, who says she's on her way too. We see her, Morgan, and the dragon they teamed last issue traveling to Yonkers. While Nefaria's men try to take down the new mutants, Morgan and Wolfsbane ride a repurposed Spider Slayer whose only downside is a TV screen for a head that plays J. Jonah Jameson clips on a loop. Escapade and Cerebella attempt to take their mystery finding outside but are confronted by Unicorn. By the time everyone escapes, Shella feels boxed out by everyone. Morgan's mad at her, Cerebella's mad at her. Cerebella finally reveals what was in the case one of Uranus's weapons left over from Judgment Day, the Weird Engine. The final page has their road trip interrupted by the Lethal Legion. Oh, that's where the name comes from. Now it makes sense. Gabby proves in this issue that any Kenny is the highlight of whatever book she's in. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree to that. I think that she was definitely the best part of this MVP book. by a mile. <laughs> yeah. I want to say that I enjoyed this one the most this week. Okay. I, 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 to, totally fair take. I was going to say this clearly has all the same issues to me as the last few issues, but I enjoyed it more than the first two of this mini. Yeah. I enjoy this. Um, and, and, and saying that I enjoyed it the most, I mean, it's like, you know, barely any margin. Uh, with the other books yeah i it wasn't early spoiler not my favorite book this week definitely not like a great book in my opinion but i would say out of the what we've been talking about all week and for a couple months off and on these filler minis i think this is probably the strongest of those filler minis or among the strongest like it definitely it it isn't offensive by any means it's not overly bland it just it doesn't doesn't move the needle at all it yeah and, and, and you know i i think for me it's a thing of like it doesn't do much for me but i also acknowledge that for new mutants i am not necessarily the target market um that is a really good point and, and i i think i i was a little spoiled in that even though i'm not the core demographic i loved it for a while there it, yeah. it was really good for the last couple of years and so i guess i started to lull myself into Oh yeah, I can roll with the teenagers and then 
maybe this is showing me I can't. <laughs> right. And, and I think that's it. Like, I acknowledge that there's a lot of good there. Doesn't necessarily do anything for me. Uh, I'm not the target market for it, so that's fine. Uh, I'm not mad about it being, uh, and to me, being mid. But yeah, it was a fine enough book. I think it still feels like it's kind of not doing anything. But yeah. And I don't want to recap because I'm sure anyone that, listening to me rant about it here wrestling to me saying this last two times but i don't they don't make it like clearly marketable to anyone because it doesn't follow up on the threads of the last new mutants enough to feel like a continuation but it also isn't like a fresh start enough that you can find meaning here without having read the last arc of the last volume of new mutants which was the charlie jane anders like guest arc so yeah. it just feels oddly tied down well, not following up on anything. It, yeah, it it's feels a weird combination. like a victim of circumstances in that regard. Like, I yeah. don't think by any means uh, Charlie Jane Anders went into this going like, I want to make a book that doesn't follow up on anything, but also is inaccessible to new readers. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's, you know, what the the thesis of this series was. But I think that, you know, uh, given the situation that New Mutants was in, especially with the guest arc, and then also like, hey, we, we need you to fill out some time, that's what we got. And I think a lot of the issues here are clearly editorial, not yeah. Charlie J. Anders. I'm really enjoying the things being written here, and it just feels inconsequential. I, I do have one beef. And beef. I don't know if you're going to beef with this beef, but the weird engine mm -hmm. is way too goofy, like, word soupy. Feels more like a sinister weapon than Uranus. Like, Uranus, to me, is a very different tone than the goofy description we get in that data page. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. Like, you have, you have your nefarious villains, like your serious you know spooky villains and you have your goofball villains and you know the weird engine it sounds like something that condiment king would use yeah and <laughs> i i enjoyed the description of the weapon it just felt really odd to say it was left over from judgment day and was uranus specifically and like, it felt like it was a tie-in for the sake of tie-in but mm -hmm. matched the tone of this book instead of matching the tone of the book that item supposedly came from yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Now, you said the word nefarious, which means we gotta talk Count Nefaria. Of course. I do enjoy the campiness of how serious he's taking recruiting a bunch of minions. Like, th that yeah. is a really, really funny concept, and I don't know that the execution has been perfect, but we talk about Benjamin Percy needing to go full camp and fully embrace how ridiculous his plots are sometimes and mm -hmm. i feel like count nefari is in that same boat where this only works if charlie j anders writes a crazy enough serious to the core version of the character just pure camp and that's exactly what it's been so that is a, another positive if you look at just the individual pieces they're all great it's just for whatever reason they don't come together as they should and again it's, it's probably editorial yeah, I, I definitely can see that too. It's like the bones of something really good are there or like you took all the coolest pieces from your five favorite Lego sets and jammed them all together 
It, it looks cool, but it doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a great way to describe it. It had the better out of the robots we've talked about, like the joke robots we've talked about this uh, Shark Week, Shark yeah. Girl Week. Uh, I preferred this joke, the Joy Jones Jameson loop over schnick, 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 schnicked. I, I, I agree completely. Yeah. I mean, I, I love just like the bit that is J. Jonah Jameson now. Like yeah. just the modern interpretation of him is my favorite thing. You know what I realized while putting together these notes? Hmm. That because of this book and X-23 Deadly Regenesis and Wolverine and... Uh, X-Force now having Laura and X-Men having Talon, we have a Wolverine pretty much every week. Wow. There is very rarely a week without a, um, a Wolverine being center of attention. And it's almost a Kenny every week. Almost. You're almost, almost. living large. Like actually on a four on a four Wednesday month, unless they double ship a week, it would be. Mm-hmm. that's pretty fun yeah. that you, is know nice. I, you know i love my girl that's true that's very nice i, I love that for you <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing else in lethal legion yeah same okay fish war college yeah written by jay holtham drawn by sean damian hill it opens with magic realizing they lost a whole bunch of kids telling danny who is drawn much better here than she was up in new mutants uh, there may be a problem. On Earth-63, Bishop is in a full-blown, like, saloon-style shootout with the Human Liberation Front uh, alone while he begs his counterpart from this universe to help him fight. Earth-63 Bishop insists, I'm just a teacher, dude. The X-Men show up and fight back until Earth-63 Moira Metagger activates a suicide bomb. Back in the 616, under Krakoa, kids and Wrong Slide are working to save Amos and Cam while hope it hopefully stopping orcas that are trying to drill into the walls of Krakoa to get to the pit. Fenris twins are back because remember they left last issue, but they're back and they're wearing these bracelets that make them immune to the blights, the blight swill. The wrong slide like, collapses part of the cave to fall so that the rest of the new mutants who are still blight swill infected so they don't have their powers can work together to get the special bracelets off of the Fenris twins. They get them and then so with their powers back, they're able to get the upper hand in the fight. But the drill breaks through anyways, giving them access to the pit. Cliffhanger number one. And then we see the bishop is alive, and he realizes it's because time was stopped. Tempo is cradling this Earth's version of her father's body. And she admits she tried to save him here too. So the reveals that the human Heather that we found out uh, existed in R63 was actually our tempo, like playing a part or disguised as her. Bishop consoles her the best he can. Some things just can't be fixed. She doesn't accept this, and with a flash of light, she fiddles with time yet again. So, for those keeping track at home, uh, still, no war college. There has not been a moment of war college in this series. He hasn't trained them at all. It- that's like why call it that? Yeah, I. Yeah, I feel like either of these stories could have been their own book. Oh yeah, you either have 
a book about Bishop getting stuck on this other planet, and then you could actually flesh it out. You you could make, you could build it in a way that the tempo reveal had more stakes to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe we cared more, and you could make it so you could actually tell which of the the kids was which. Like in that fight scene, like half the time you had to go back and just base it off. Oh well, she's got purple glowy powers, so I guess it's Cam or whatever. Like that's yeah. I I want to like this. It's a bunch of characters I I like, and yeah. I can't believe that that we had so little happen. And on top of the interdimensional hijinks, they decided to introduce also time travel now. Like at the end of issue four, heading into issue five. Yeah, there's one issue left, and instead of actually fleshing out any of the stuff we've already seen that didn't make any sense they decided to have you know what this is this is marauders all over again it is it's marauders poor bishop he's had two books in a row that have gone this route yeah yeah oh the pit's open sure so presumably this this is before sins of sinister i I don't know um Um, or maybe it's after or maybe this is gonna sound awful, but maybe this book is just so unimportant that it doesn't matter that the pit got opened. Well, that I was gonna go there. What's it ma- like? Why does Orgus want the pit open when they were they were the main villains of Sabretooth and the Exiles? So Orcus should be fully aware that the majority of the people that were in the pit have been let out now, right? <laughs> Like, There's theoretically, no if this is after Sins of Sinister, Sinister's out now. Right. I think he's the only one. And if it's before Sins of Sinister, no one's down there currently. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I don't get it. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, I, honestly, like, it's... Okay, you're opening the pit. Great. Oh, no. <laughs> it's gonna get closed in five seconds anyways. <laughs> You could maybe like headcanon away or like lampshade it with Graydon Creed doesn't share his intel that much or whatever. But mm-hmm. if he's not even a pedal, if he is less important than all of the pedals, then shouldn't someone be who he reports to? And it doesn't make sense that Orcus would be completely unaware of what has been happening in the pit. Right. Because they've been the main villains of the people who left the pit since they left the pit. Yeah. They know Sabretooth's not down there. Exactly. It's a stupid decision. I I think I already mentioned it, but tempo reveal was completely unearned. Completely unearned. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, like the only reference we had to it was was when they told him that this reality's uh, Heather was actually human. He did like a huh. And then they moved on. And now, yeah. two issues later, it's revealed it, it wasn't really hu- uh, human. It was her in disguise trying to save the father she couldn't save on our planet. Get it? I do not understand any of what's happening here. This book doesn't make sense to me. It feels, like you said, it feels like either story would be a better use of five issues instead of breaking both of these in half. Because it's not enough to make me care about either. I couldn't say it better myself. I, 
I talked about how Lethal Legion was one of the better of these filler books. This is not. This is not one of my. This might be my least favorite. I. It might be. I'm excited because we're gonna have our our third pickhead uh, as our guest for the fifth issue, hopefully, and hopefully he'll be able to sell us on why the book is better than I'm seeing it as. Because yeah, I. I want to. I want to see another point of view because I. I'm not. I'm not getting it either. Hopefully, someone can sell me on it. I'd love to be sold on it. Sell to me. Uh, I want to throw that out there. That that's the kind of guest. Uh, other than finally getting Al Ewing to sit down so we can praise him, that that is our number one priority when it comes to guests is getting people that can really sell us on the opposite perspective we have. If someone Absolutely. wants to come defend Percy to me, I would love that. If someone wants to come talk down a Ewing or a Gillen issue to me and like convince me they're they're not the masterpieces I see them as, I'm all for it. I think I would struggle if someone wanted to get too rough on Cy Spurrier because I feel very protective of Legion X right now. But I, I want that. So if, if you've got like a very divergent opinion from us and you want to come on for an episode... Get in that Discord server, DM me, let me know. I think it would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'd love it. Here's one you and I may end up disagreeing pretty heavily on. You want to talk Storm? Oh, let's talk Storm. Written by Innocenti, drawn by Sid Codian. This is another throwback, but uh, I made it a full-blown book because I won't subject Innocenti to going around the Marvel Universe without at least covering issue one. I uh, this all takes place around Uncanny X-Men 176, so we're talking 1983. Storm just switched to the Mohawk and biker leather urgh, jacket look. Uh, Scott has just retired, so she's a full-blown leader of the X-Men for the very first time. It opens with Storm leading the team against the Brotherhood of Mutants in an amusement park. Colossus, Kitty Pride, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and uh, fresh off a face turn, Rogue, all get some like classic quippy dialogue in while having some the exposition and you know sets up rogue's relationship with destiny mystique colossus and kitty's relationship and everything else with the current status quo norm gets upset with kitty for not reacting quickly enough professor x is like a psychic creep they go celebrate on the beach where storm has issues controlling the ocean and some anti-mutant jerk harasses or some anti-mutant jerks harass kurt motorbike punk storm rides solo and runs into a broken down scientist on a bike who reveals he has a potent pollution collecting machine so they, just, they go for a casual ride together. When she gets back to the mansion, Kitty shows up with a drunk rogue. They explicitly tell us underage Kitty doesn't drink. Storm is furious. She got a tattoo. She claims it's because a tattoo is an identifying mark and don't harm the team. But obviously it's about so much more. Professor X sends Kitty to her room and Storm's mad since she's supposed to be in charge. The news reveals storms are going crazy uh, in the general vicinity where Storm had tried to control the ocean. She heads back to the docks where it's suddenly a full-blown hailstorm. She's attacked by a mysterious figure who claims to be protecting everyone from her storms, and the random crowd members believe him. She falls in the ocean and is quickly swept away, unable to control a damn thing. So we usually punt the random throwbacks. I think mm -hmm. we both read them maybe not with the same attention to detail we pay attention to the Krakoa books but we do read them we read the claremonts we uh this was better than anything Chris claremont has written in oh yeah absolutely this is this is my favorite of the throwbacks but that is not a high bar 
Yeah, that's fair. So I, I have, I'm of two minds because yes, this is some old school storytelling methods. It's exposition heavy to the absolute extreme. All those like awkward characters are explaining their motivations or their histories in ways that don't feel like real dialogue. It's really clear. It's, it's for the benefit of the reader. He's so little for like our imagination to fill in. I would be extremely annoyed if it wasn't evoking a specific era. But what to me makes it such a fun book that like I'm fully in, like I, I wouldn't say I'm it, it's in my top 20 books coming out right now. But it is something I really enjoy is is the timing of it. I think the fact that this came out the same month that we got those two issues of uh, X-Men Red and Immortal X-Men. And so we got this younger, trying way too hard Storm in like her first leadership role is such a great juxtaposition with everything that's been happening in Gillen and Ewing's work. Like the fact that this this young woman who went full on like Mohawk to, to separate herself and try to find her identity is the same woman who eventually a thousand years from now, uh, or no, I guess a hundred years from now, when did, what was the, the issue where she fell and sacrificed herself as the old woman in the wheelchair? I guess it would have been a hundred years, right? It was year a hundred of Sins of Sinister. It is so cool to me. And it felt like everything was tied in or will tie into what's happening in the current stuff because you're, you know, you're seeing her relationship with Kitty develop. You're, you're seeing seeds set for her relationship with Colossus and Nightcrawler. And then even on the Brotherhood side, that Destiny and Mystique were the two members of the Brotherhood focused on. I feel like even though the style is a total throwback, it's really clear this story is going to, at the very, very least, be really thematically tied to the relationships we're seeing in the Krakoan current stuff. And I love that. Absolutely. That is one thing that I really liked about this. I think it's part of what makes me like it better than the Claremont stuff, other than the fact that it's just written better than Claremont could ever try. <laughs> um, it's the fact that it feels like it still counts for what we're experiencing in Krakoa. Because, like you said, it ties into what we just got. The last two were so flashback heavy on her relationship with Chuck that to get this series now, add a little extra context, it's very nice. I think that's great. I personally still don't like the exposition heavy stuff. Never I, have, never will. I don't blame you. It definitely feels almost pandering. It, it's yeah. pandering to people much older than you and I. It's pandering to the people who actually grew up with this stuff. And that, that part is a bummer. But you know what it feels like? And I know this is probably a silly comparison. We're like at the era in like the early 2000s where it's really trendy for when you you had a movie come out and you needed they needed to to have something for a special edition beyond the commentary and they'd throw on like uh, an animate a 30 minute animated prequel and mm -hmm. it would be the same voice actors and it would be the like the same writing team, but it would have a very different tone because, like, the Hellboy movies had those. They had the little animated short, uh, animated minis. 
lots of movies did them and they they were really fun and it's an era i kind of miss in streaming you don't get those anymore but that's what this feels like it feels like a tie-in to what we're seeing currently that adds without being necessary i don't think Mm -hmm. you need this context in storm's character to appreciate what's going on in krakoa but it feels like it is meant to add to it in the same way that a lot of those like dvd special features or uh I guess now you probably get them through like social media stuff, but yeah, it, it would be like the, the Marvel YouTube or TikTok or something being like, here's a primer on, you know, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Or, uh, Marvel did do for a while with the MCU. And I think they stopped doing them. The one shots where yeah. like before Thor came out, they had that 15 minute short of agent Coulson finding Thor's hammer. Like, those those sorts of things and yeah my, my favorite was the one where the fake mandarin from uh iron man 3 was in prison and then uh the real mandarins like goons came and beat him up in prison to to kind of give the reveal that there is a real mandarin out there that was a really fun sp- anyways anyways that's a detour but i, I, I know this it, is it, the comic book equivalent of those it feels very similar to that in the scope and purpose and so yeah well, I guess at the end of the day, it's like I'm a fan of the content, just not necessarily the execution because of that exposition. But I think it was good. Like, I'll I'll enjoy continuing to read this and like reading Extreme or the Gambit and Storm Extreme ones. Was so bad. It felt like a chore reading those. This yeah. will actually be more fun to read. No, totally fair. I I feel like that's this is the kind of one where like. I like when we have a disagreement here on, on yeah. these are these are good. Uh, something I think we can agree on. Chuck is still a jerk. Like this still is a funny, jerk. like it's it's funny when you go back and even the era where he was supposed to be the heroic leader, and you're like, oh no, nah, he was always a twat. <laughs> yeah, I, I I got a giggle at it, like Chuck doing some curls in the gym. <laughs> I don't know why, but that made me laugh because I was like, that's just no, that, that was definitely good. Right? <laughs> that was definitely really funny, and the the fact that he got it was the same same general vibe when Kitty was like, "Can't you just read 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 the their minds?" And he was like, "Oh, that would be untruth, or only when you really really need to." Yeah, man, he he sure has those those blurry moral lines a lot, where it's that's wrong to do unless I really need to. Then it's cool. Unless I just like super duper want to know what my friend said before he died. Yeah. Yeah, my friend who I don't even call by his real name. Yeah. My friend who I won't actually respect him to call him by his real name. And I know that he said, you know, uh, that he didn't want me to know what I said to you, but I'm, I, I want to know. <laughs> I will say, since we were talking I, last time we got together about kind of the allegorical stuff, like, him dead dead naming his his friend after his friend passed away was probably more fucked than like so much else happened in that issue i feel like most readers kind of don't take the time to sit back and be like it really is pretty screwed up that he's still in death can't give him his his name yeah anyways i know this makes this a short episode but are you ready to go around the marvel universe let's do it Excellent number three, and I'm going to be honest, I'm a little conflicted still by putting this in around the Marvel Universe because I do really enjoy it. It's another outdated one, and it, mm-hmm. 
I feel like if this had come out within a few years of the end of Ecstatics, and especially if this had come out last year with the first arc, I feel like that's another, like they double cut off their, themselves as a feat. This would have impacted a lot more. Um, did you, did you even read it? I, I know, I know you struggled I, I, with the first two issues. I read it. Um, I still struggled with it. I, I want to like it because I know that you like it. So like, I yeah. want to like it, but I struggle with it. Uh, I will say uh, everything with docs felt very heavy handed to me. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's kind of a kitschy, like fifties like robot. Like, I, yeah. But I think part of the issue is Peter Milligan's a boomer. Let's, let's be mm-hmm. real. The guy's been in comics forever. Peter Milligan was born in 1961. So he's oh, a, yeah. he's a 60 year old man trying to write about like modern pop culture. So uh-huh. when he wrote ecstatics in the early two thousands, it was commentary on reality TV. Mm-hmm. And he was in his early forties. Then he, he could properly sat- satirize what was going on. Yeah. I feel like at this point, the world's maybe moved a little too fast. And so it's a lot like the, the whole premise is they're fighting for more followers. Like it's which yeah. team can reach a million followers first. And there is some really funny stuff like this. This issue was a brawl on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And I legit cracked up at the line. Uh, the Hollywood Walk of Fame is more than just a sidewalk. It represents everything we stand for. Like that. Which, like, like that. That right there is like the most washed up boomer mentality, which makes that funny, like in the comic. Right. But I'm like. I don't know how much that was supposed to be read as boomer energy rather than vain energy. So I think there it was, but I feel like the problem is he's trying to put a lens on it at the same time that he's not able to escape it himself anymore. Mm-hmm. That he he is the type of out of touch he's trying to, to parody to an extent, I think. And I think that it, does hurt the current volume. Because to lampoon someone, you have to be able to point out why they're wrong. And if you are the person that you are lampooning, it's a lot more difficult. And I don't know that it's nailing it, necessarily. I, I don't think it is any, anymore. I do think that that aspect of it has definitely lost its wheels. Well, I was going to say, like, one thing that, like, it sticks out to me is it feels a lot like in, like, crime procedurals that take place with internet stuff. And it felt like that energy where they're like, oh, this video already has 100,000 hits and all that kind of stuff. Like, that means nothing. You just yeah. said nothing. And, like, they're fighting for a million followers. A million followers means jack shit nowadays. Is it is it a million? I thought it was a billion, but yeah. I no, thought you said a million, so I was going. With I think I just threw that um, number out there. It, it, no, it, it, I think it is a billion actually, okay. but still, it's uh, overall. I, I feel like it probably was impacted by the pandemic in that mm-hmm. this probably. I mean, this was announced in 2018, which it would have been out of touch then, but at least then, like Twitter culture was still a thing. Like yeah. the world hadn't fully moved on to TikTok. I feel like what social media means has shifted in the last five years in a way that hell this in book the last probably, two years. <laughs> yeah, this book probably lost a lot by, but even then, it would have been slightly out of touch. Like I mean, this feels very much like a commentary that came out in like 2012. Yeah, like that's that's the re, the the honest crux of it was uh, he's writing a sequel to something that satirized the early 2000s really well. 
And if he'd followed up and done it in the early 2010s, I think it would have hit a lot better than it does in the early 2020s. Um, I have a former coworker who every three to four months, he tells me how much he thinks I should watch The Social Dilemma and I should show The Social Dilemma to my students and all this kind of stuff. And like... This feels like something, you know, like, it yeah. feels like around that energy. I'm just like, hey, man, you should really watch The Social Dilemma. It's eye-opening. It's, uh, the the last issue is going to be, uh, like, Zeitgeist 2012, like, Tony 2012. Like, it's just going to be totally. <laughs> oh, man. I Now that I said his name, I think Zeitgeist is a great character. Like, I want to see him brought in to to more like Brotherhood of Mutants, like what whatever kind of the villainous mutants look like going forward. I I think he is a really cool character. I think there's lots of pieces of this I'm still really enjoying. Absolutely. I think you're hitting the nail on the head that Milligan he should be writing what he knows. I I don't think he needs he needs to be doing biting satire like he was 20 years ago because no. he he doesn't have the knowledge of the subject matter to do it. I'll read literally anything my girlfriend draws because I think his art is always amazing. That said, Storm is my book of the week. I told you that you might be surprised by it. It was the one I enjoyed most. I wouldn't say it would win any other week, but it mm-hmm. won this week. And a really weak week, Storm number one is my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm right there with you. New Mutants being my favorite. Any other week, it's not going to win. But sure, why not today? And I will say, next up on Shark Girl Week isn't that much better of a lineup, honestly. I don't know how Marvel did this, that they they, they had a five-week month in May, and they stacked the first three weeks, and then had two weeks of duds, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow, we are going to be talking about... Deadpool 7, which I genuinely really like. And I'm excited for Deadpool 7. I'm calling it right now. That's probably going to be my book of the week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> spoiler, we've already read them, but also, <laughs> uh, it fits the beach vibe. I feel like Deadpool 7 is the most beach vibe of any books we've read this week. Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, number four, which, spoiler, may be in competition with uh, Bishop at this point. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not yeah. loving and then uh, X-23 Deadly Regenesis, which is my girl, but is also... We're going to make fun. We're going to have fun even we'll with some bullshit. <laughs> we'll have fun. We'll figure it out. But speaking of Short Girl Week, we're like halfway through it. We reopened our shop. It's in the link. There's fun summary stuff. And we still have a couple to record after you see this. Maybe not. We might be just about done recording. But jump in the Discord. DM us. Hit us with your questions. We're going to keep the beach vibes going all summer. It's not like summer ends when vacation's over. That's true. If you got got a question, shoot it our way. Until next time, don't be a boomer. Oh, no. I got to do all the likes. Uh, You follow me at that nerdy pop bear. You can follow him at Bulk Ranger. Anything you'd like to say? Um, No, I think I'm good. (laughs) Remember, don't be a boomer. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.